This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You're listening to Around the Dial, your one-stop shop for sports talk's best moments every day. Here's your host, CBS Sports Radio's Damon Amendolara. Welcome inside Around the Dial, the best of your sports talk. For Monday, April the 1st, I'm your host, D.A. The final four is set, and there's no Duke and the Blue Devils in it. We're heading up to the Twin Cities. College basketball moves to Minneapolis for the best of its national championship race and the end of March Madness and the biggest star in the sport and the most popular coach in the sport are not going to be there as Michigan State takes out the Duke Blue Devils in the Elite Eight in the waning seconds of their game yesterday. So let's start with the head coach of the Spartans, Tom Izzo, who won a national championship in 2000, but hasn't won a national championship since, despite this being his eighth trip to the Final Four. Was it vindication for Izzo, who had always been owned by Coach K and Duke in his career at Michigan State? Here's Jamie and Stoney on 97 on the ticket in Detroit. Not that he really needed vindication. I mean, he's in the Hall of Fame. He had been to seven Final Fours. He won an NCAA championship. Obviously, we've talked about this before, and he really wants to get the second one. He needed it. The second one, put, you know, and he's not there yet, but the second one puts you at a different level. His legacy's there. His legacy's I mean, there just, no matter what. He's Tom Izzo. Okay, right. you know, there's not much else I don't think that needs to be said, but I do think there is something that can be said for a coach dealing with the changing game, the changing of you know, one and dones and recruits you can get, recruits you maybe don't want, and doing it in a different way. And look. And and the way he coaches, I mean, just a week ago, he's being lambasted by, sorry to say this, idiots, Nolan Finley, the Detroit News, uh, for yelling at one of his players. And what what did Henry do on Friday? Showing more and more flashes of becoming a really good player. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, again, we talked about it, you know, when I was in with Jamie as I well. I, I can understand why people didn't like the look of it, but, yeah, but hey, can you deny the results? Yeah, exactly. Absolutely not. It, it worked, and it works specifically for this team. But Izzo is proving that he can still have success, but he did kind of get back to getting the kids that he wanted, whether it be, you know, finding walk-ons that can continue to make an impact you know, finding a guy in Cassius Winston, not the greatest athlete in the world, probably not an NBA prospect, right. but man, he's so a crafty. Great, a great college basketball 100%. player. percent And there's nothing wrong with that. Right. He's still going after these guys. I mean, what Vernon Carey and the kid Stewart he went after and, and lost. One's going to Duke and one's going to Washington. And he's still bringing in uh, Rocket Watts is coming in. I mean, they're still getting really good players. But the type of players that he can, can utilize and yes. actually get the most out of. The thing is, too... Look at all these teams that have, you know, one and done, you know, their entire core is one and done guys, Kentucky. right? How many of them are winning anything? Not too many of these Seriously, days. Anthony Davis, you know, yeah. w- with uh, Kentucky, there was the Duke team with uh, Tyus Jones and Jaleel Okafor. I'm sure nobody remembers who they are, but how many of these one and done teams are getting it done? I don't know if Tom Izzo needed vindication of the form 
of that win. But let's face it, over the years, Duke had owned him. He has not won another national championship. And to do it against Coach K with that stacked talent and that led team and Duke being the number one overall seed, plus in the middle of a tournament where Tom Izzo got heat and took criticism for yelling in the face of one of his freshman players, that's a big spot and a big accomplishment for a Hall of Famer of the college basketball realm. The other question is, does an experienced team in March Madness have a leg up on a one-and-done team, no matter how much talent that one-and-done team might have? Let's listen to college basketball legend Len Elmore, who joined WFNZ in Charlotte and the Mac Attack. It's a weird one to talk about, Len, the way that Coach K is putting this squad together, because... Like, in one respect, I look at the youth like you just said, and yeah, in a one-and-done situation against a veteran team, it feels like this youth the last few years has been part of their undoing. On the flip side, most coaches would probably not turn away five-star recruits that want to play for you. Like, is there is there a flaw in kind of reloading on a new class of one-and-done type talents every year and not maybe have, you know, not maybe developing your next Quinn Cook? type player, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think it really depends upon the goals of the particular coach. And, you know, you can, you don't want to turn down guys who want to play for you, but, again, you have to get a profile of people that you're going to recruit. And if it's the one-and-done guys, everybody knows that the gate is open and, you know, who wouldn't want to play for Duke and Mike Krzyzewski if that opportunity arises? But by the same token, if you don't go after those guys, if you have a certain profile, and say, you know, I want guys who are developable, who will stay for a few years and, and create a, a great deal of continuity in our program. Uh, maybe in, in that regard, you might, um, I wouldn't say chase off, but, uh, you know, you might be able to send a message that we don't want one-and-done guys. You know, we want guys who are going to stick around, who are developable, and understand that. I think a lot of people have been critical of the fact that Last three opportunities to score, the ball ended up in Barrett's hands, and 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 uh, Zion did not get a did not get a chance to take a shot late. Is that fair criticism? Well, I mean, look, uh, R.J. Barrett has won games for for Duke in the past, um, and you know the the matchup might have actually been in his favor since Zion was getting doubled. Once he turned his back on the defense, he'd always get doubled and was forced to give it up. So. You know, I, I would say that I don't know if it's a fair criticism. Unfortunately, Barrett didn't come up with uh, with the winning shot. Uh, you know, obviously missed the the first free throw, which which certainly hurt. But in the end, what it what all of this has done really is confirmed that um, when you get in a one and done situation, and you know you you're playing against a team that has a great deal of experience, um, sometimes you know the youth, no matter how talented they are you know, they might falter. And, and then that's what we've seen. We've seen that over the years. And just to take nothing away from the Duke players, I mean, you had three guys who will probably be picked in the top five in the NBA draft against the team of, of Michigan State guys where nobody will probably be drafted, but they certainly had the experience. There is no way you could have watched that game and not thought to yourself, boy, Michigan State has the advantage because they're not the one-and-done team. It's hard for kids to come out of high school, play together with a group of players, be the standout, be the stars, be the decision-makers in crunch time, and then also survive 
one-loss single elimination tournaments. It's not the NBA where you have the best of seven. It's a single elimination situation, so there is no time to learn on the fly. you got to do it at a breakneck pace and not lose while doing it. And while Duke survived against UCF and Virginia Tech, we probably should have seen the writing on the wall that with those close wins, it showed that Duke's overall superior talent wasn't necessarily just good enough to get them over the top. Big ups to Sparty for getting the job done and moving on to the Final Four. Tom Izzo and Michigan State in the Final Four, not surprising. We see that almost every other year. But Texas Tech and Chris Beard, how did this happen? Chris Beard has pulled off one of the unbelievable turnarounds in college basketball history. Last year in Elite Eight, now a Final Four. Here's college basketball writer Dan Walken on 106.7 The Fan in D.C. with the Sports Junkies. The way I look at it, I know that Vegas has their approach, but it's hard to bet against Izzo in this spot. In Big Ten country, they're playing in Minneapolis. He's got all the Final Four experience. The other three teams really do not. It's hard to pick against Izzo uh, winning the title this year. I guess. I mean, if you want to look at it that way, that certainly felt like a Final Four game and looked like a Final Four game yesterday, and it could have been a Final Four game if the NCAA had maybe seeded Michigan State properly. (laughs) Um, But... uh, yeah, I still think Virginia's got the best team. And, you know, I know that they've survived a couple really close games. and um, But, you know, I just – the numbers are the numbers. And the numbers say they're the best team. And, you know, they've only lost this year two times to Duke and then that was the one game in the ACC tournament to Florida State. Um, I, I just – it just lines up to me like this is their time. It really does. So what's you're gonna be in Minneapolis this week? Uh, hell, you might already be there. Um, what what's gonna be you know, the focal point for you when you're writing these stories for for the USA Today? What are you focusing on? Well, that's a good question. Um, hmm. Hard to answer because frankly, the four teams there are not the four teams you kind of expected. So, uh, like going into the weekend, I would have thought, okay, well, we need to figure out some Duke stories, and we need to figure out some. Um, you know, we need to figure out uh, uh, some Kentucky stories. You know, we need right. to, we need to figure out uh, you know, maybe some Gonzaga stories. Yeah, and it just goes totally the other way. So, I mean, there's some interesting things. I, I think, um, you know, just the Texas Tech thing to me, that program was not a program you would have ever thought could have been Final Four caliber before. Um, before Chris Beard got there and how he's done this in such a short period of time is it just really establishes him as, as one of the great coaches in the sport. And I think people are now, um, you know, they're now kind of waking up to that reality because of what they've done this year. Man, Moretti hit some big threes in that game. Um, for Chris Beard, do you see Beard staying there at Texas tech or do you think, uh, you know, a bigger pro, a bigger blue blood, you know, UCLA type will come calling, for Beard, or do you think he's just, you know, he's been there for so, for so long because he was there under night that he, he may stay there? Yeah, I, I don't know <clears throat> if UCLA is a great fit, just the whole vibe around UCLA. Now, not that he couldn't win there, because I think he, he certainly could. Um, you know, I just don't know the whole UCLA vibe if he fits that. Mm-hmm. He's also not recruited top-level players. I mean, he's kind of one with mid-level guys or overlooked guys it's it's been heavy on development um he's from texas he's you know he's a little bit of a you know country guy 
Um, I just don't know if that would work at UCLA. I think it could work at Arkansas if they wanted to, you know, offer him a massive amount of money. Uh, it certainly could work at Texas, which is his alma mater, and Shaka Smart. I I, I wouldn't say is a hundred percent guaranteed to be back at Texas next year. Hmm. Um, so I think there's some interesting possibilities uh, for, for Chris Beard potentially, whether that's this year or next year. But I, I don't think in five years we're going to look up and he's still going to be the Texas Tech coach. Beard has proven that this odyssey that he has taken throughout college hoops and the backwaters of this sport was really all an unbelievable journey to becoming one of the most impressive young coaches we've seen in the game in a while. I mean, this is immediate success. And for Texas Tech, which has never had a significant college basketball legacy, to be in the Elite Eight and the Final Four, their first Final Four ever, with a guy that's only been there three seasons is nothing short of ridiculous. Virginia, Auburn, Michigan State, and Texas Tech are all headed to the Twin Cities. Duke and Zion Williamson is not. And yet Zion, definitely going to be the number one overall pick in the NBA draft. For the type of star that he is, for the type of star that he was for college basketball, does it make sense anymore for a guy like Zion Williamson to not get paid for his services in college? Here's Dick Vitale on 92.9 The Game in Atlanta with John and Hugh. I know it's disappointing for Duke fans, but as you reflect back on the year that Zion Williamson had, how do you, as we get towards the NBA draft, Dick Vitale, how do you kind of compare him to other players you've seen in college basketball? Because I said, I said, this is me, uh, well, you know, watching, I'm a little bit older, I'm, I've been watching for a while, that he was the, the biggest star in college basketball, potentially as the number one pick since Patrick Ewing. Uh, he, he had a tremendous impact in the game in just one year. Oh, there's no doubt about it. He's the most unique player I've seen in my 40 years. Uh, I have a new book out right now. My Mount Rushmore's of college basketball, and the four best players uh, are one of them happened to be Patrick Ewing, along with Jordan, Ralph Sampson, and Christian Leitner. Uh, and the great thing with the book, by the way, guys, is if you can promote it a little bit, uh, DickVitaleOnline.com. If they go there, they can get an autographed copy. And every dollar I would make from the book, every dollar, is going to Kids Battling Cats. In fact, as I get off this phone with you, getting ready, we're going to be sending a check for 36000 now to the V Foundation from Early Seals uh, that we made from the book. So again, uh, yeah, there's no question Zion is right up there. He's a special young guy. To me, he became the face of college basketball, and basketball needed him so badly because this year it's been a cesspool. You know, a coach is arrested, indicted, FBI, wiretaps, all the stuff, the scandal stuff going on, and, and he's been the face of it. And it's about time that the NCAA looks at a kid like Zion and simply says, you know what? We're a billion-dollar business. We're a billion-dollar business. It's about time that some of these kids share, rather than getting just a handshake, great job, kid. Bottom line is, a kid like Zion, if the NCAA doesn't have the dollars because they claim you've got to give it to everyone, that's fine. Don't, don't give your dollars. But let a kid, you want to eliminate the sleaze, you want to eliminate the middleman, the guy that's running back and forth, dealing with agents, dealing with shoe companies, AAU, the whole nod. You want to get rid of that guy? Very simply. Let a kid like Zion, if an agent wants to give him money, so be it. 
so be it. And if he can make an appearance or do an endorsement, let him do it. If a Beyonce or a Taylor Swift were in school as students and they wanted to do a concert, they'd be allowed to do it. I mean, the time has come, just like reality center with the Olympics, finally paying the Olympic athletes. Well, the same year, these guys, if they warrant it and they have it, you're an athlete, that you can do an endorsement or you can make an appearance and get dollars, let them get those dollars. The time has come. Zion Williamson saved college basketball this year because without him, there would have been nothing but talk and chatter all about the trial is going to go on and all the FBI stuff. Instead, it was all about Zion. And I'll tell you one thing, you know, it might be the biggest losers today in a way, financially. I mean, think about TV ratings and not having Zion. Having Zion, they had the ratings. I know at ESPN, every time he played, our ratings were terrific. Just go to the Olympic model. This is the easiest solution. It means you don't have to figure out ways to pay the women's crew team. It just means you got to find a way to allow a player that has instantaneous marketability anyway to cash in on that. If local dealerships, pizza places, credit card companies, what have you, want to use the likeness of a college basketball or college football player, any type of college athlete, just like the Olympic model, Michael Phelps and others, they should be allowed to take the money for that and not have to figure out breaking apart the entire system and reassessing the economics of college basketball and college football. But if those guys can get endorsement deals, yeah, they should be allowed to cash in on those. And Zion should have been able to do that this year. It was opening day in baseball last week, an opening weekend in Major League Baseball. And the biggest storyline, of course, was Bryce Harper with his new team in Philadelphia with the Phillies. And lo and behold, the Phillies get a three-game sweep at Citizens Bank Ballpark in Philadelphia, over the presiding division champion, Atlanta Braves. So what was it like to be inside that ballpark for Bryce Harper, not only with his debut in a three-game sweep, but also throwing down two home runs in the three-game series? Here's WIP's morning show in Philadelphia with Angelo Cataldi and friends. The debut of Bryce Harper and a weekend of magic at Citizens Bank Park. One of the most remarkable, electrified, magnificent atmospheres we've seen in our city. Wow. Since Super Bowl year. We knew when we when, when the Phillies signed him, they were getting an attraction. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, this word, electricity. Yes. Ele- he brings electricity into a building, right? But, Al, you don't normally just see... Boom! It's like a snap and a light switch. No. And the electricity ripples through the whole city that way. More you, more than you could have expected. More yeah. than you possibly could have expected. Now, I want to take a moment to talk about Saturday night when he hits the first homer. Because, Rhea, you were in the building, yes, correct? correct. You, you felt the vibration of that crowd when he hit it. I have never heard it louder. It never. Was, it was never. It was so. I mean, maybe in 2008 when they won the World Series, but I'm telling you, it was insane. Absolutely. Now I'm going to tell you, Al. Here's the thing about Bryce Harper. Um, the home run didn't shock me. The <laughs> home run last night didn't shock me. No. Pretty much everything else he's done in the past month has shocked. Yes. <laughs> I really want to talk about this because because I don't. This wasn't the guy I thought. The Phillies were getting. Well, I thought. It's see, I better. Thought, I thought you were gonna. I thought you thought that. That's why you wanted it's him better. so badly. No, but here's, <laughs> no, I did. But Al, I didn't think he would by the third game of the season have a personal handshake 
with each player on the team. <laughs> he literally is choreographed with almost, he said he's got almost every player, a specific and unique routine to greet them at the home <laughs> runs or stuff like that. Can we start doing that after every break? No, it's no. create. Hollis, you're in charge of that, aren't you? Hollis, you played on teams. Yeah. That's pretty unusual for a guy who's been here a day, <laughs> right? That's I mean, a, to already go to all those extremes to bond with his it, teammates? It's far more exciting than I ever anticipated. I thought he yeah. was going to be good because I always liked his competitive edge. Right. But to hear to hear that, I don't know nobody I don't know nobody that does a, hand, a different handshake for no. every person. It's either, one, it's either one way or no way. No, but he's got the, he's got the fanatic shoes. Yep. He's doing that kind of stuff. He's taking the bows. He's doing Take. tributes to the city. He said, Al, he's been to seven restaurants nice. so far, <laughs> and he's seven for seven. Nice. I want to know which restaurant. He said the food here is amazing. This does. I knew he was going to be a hell of a baseball player. That's kind of a matter of record. He's way more than that. Did you did you hear the cheers when he t- took a walk? They would cheer. Even no, when he I know it. I understand. <laughs> I like, and, and there was an undercurrent the first couple of days right. that he was getting booed, which was lies, lies. Uh, perpetrated by the Washington people because yeah. they're jealous. I mean, right, let, let, let's slow down here just a second here, okay? Philadelphia and the Phillies won a World Series in that ballpark in two thousand and eight. Okay. It's not like this happened in a different place in a different era. It wasn't that long ago. It's 11 years ago. The Phillies won a World Series. We're comparing opening weekend to winning the World Series. I mean, I got a tough time believing that. The vibration of that crowd when he hit it. I have never heard it louder. It never. Was- it was never okay. So I'm glad that we have that as kind of a caveat. Okay, maybe it's the loudest it's been outside of the freaking World Series. But let's not put it ahead of the World Series. There's no way it would have been as loud. This is prisoner of the moment stuff. But hey, good for Philly. Good for Bryce Harper. It was a great opening weekend, and it's a shot in the arm for baseball to see that much attention and that much response for one of its star players in a new place. That's great. I just want to see if this love affair carries over with Bryce Harper come July when he's in the middle of a one-for-29 slump. I'd, I'd like to see whether Philadelphia and Bryce Harper are all chummy and lovey-dovey if things go a little bit south on them at some point this season. He brings electricity into a building. And finally, in New Orleans, it's a tough situation for the Pelicans because New Orleans is now playing out the string. They know that in the offseason, Anthony Davis is not going to be with them for very long. Everybody expects the Pelicans to finalize a trade for one of the best players in the NBA to perhaps Boston, perhaps the Lakers, perhaps somewhere else. But nobody really expects AD to be back next season. So this is the beginning of the end for AD with the only professional team that he's ever known. So considering he has demanded out and he's orchestrated all this, should he be an enemy of the people? A guy that knows Louisiana pretty well, Louisiana native, Carl Malone, the mailman, weighs in on WWL Sports Talk and says, not so fast, making him the villain. Carl, I want to talk to you about AD and the Pelicans. Did he handle his whole, I want out of New Orleans saga properly? I mean, as an ex-NBA player, as a former NBA player, and a guy that's had tremendous success in the NBA, the the idea that guys can kick and scream their way out of organizations is mind-blowing to me. Well, but let me let me explain something to you. First and foremost, you know, when I'm a friend, I'm a friend for life. AD is an amazing person. And look, we can go back and forth, man, of how he handled it. But let's go back and let's say something here. 
I can't think of any individual that embraced the city uh, and the state of Louisiana like AD did, and all the things that he's done. Uh, did he handle it right? You know what? That's you know you can go back and forth. But how about this? We just know what AD said. Why no one else talked? Why the organization didn't talk? You know, you know what I'm saying? So uh, I'm a friend, and I'm a friend to the death. Whether he handled it right or not, that's not for me to decide. But I will tell you this. He is an amazing young man. I had the opportunity to spend some time with him. He's done so much for our state. So uh, kicking and screaming to get out is one thing. But I like to always try to think about the things that uh, he did for our state. And it was great while we had it. But how about this now? Get some owner, put some ownership, put some owners on on the organization as well, uh, on the organization no and things, uh, things that they didn't do. And I will say this: he never went at the front office, but no, they said nothing. And 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 while we on this subject, you know, when do GMs and owners take responsibility? Have you ever seen a GM owner up and say, "Well, I didn't draft this guy, or I didn't, I didn't make the right trade"? They always get a pass. Let's call bullshit. What bullshit is that now? But get the whole story. It'll be amazing. We probably will never know. But if things could have been done differently with that organi- with that uh, organization, and uh, let me throw something out there. Uh, uh, when when they had an opportunity, I had an opportunity, and I was trying to put together uh, a, a, a team to buy buy the Pelicans and try to do it the right way. But that fell on you know it fell apart, so I wasn't able to do it. But uh, I think the world of AD, and I will always be an AD supporter, and people can like it and not like it. But how about how about someone come clean in uh, in the ownership in the front office? How about that? Well, they did they fire their general me. manager, Carl, and so yeah. So well, you're that, right, though. They didn't give him enough weapons. They didn't build around him. No, they did not build around him. And let's say this is okay. How about our old commissioner, David Stern, actually went out on a limb and went after uh, Dell? Dell Dems, him. yeah, he said he was terrible. Yeah. He said he's terrible. Okay, so he, he said he's terrible. And, and so that was like a demise. That was like the beginning of the end. But tell me the weapons that they put around it. Tell me who they had there that they didn't keep. How about that? So uh, uh, every GM out there who making these picks, how about this? I get so sick. The NBA probably is the only professional uh, uh, organization out there that you get rewarded for sucking and being, and being, and being bad. So everybody now is clamoring to get Zion Williamson. Yeah, they're all tanking. <laughs> Yeah, they, they look tanking. How about this? Give the money back to the fans. How about you tell the fans, hey, we're tanking this after 20, 20 games, so here's your money back. They don't do that. So level the playing field. They did not put guys around him. They had one of the best GMs ever, which I love, is Willis Reed. How do you let him get away? So so let's let's just call it what it is. I love AD. I always will. I love Louisiana. He did a lot for the organization. But put your big pants on, put your big drawers on, and have how about how about have them to make a statement? How about that and say what really happened? Don't be asses. Just say it the way it is. We we're very forgiving our country. We'll get over it. But don't don't throw it all on AD. That's that's not fair. And as an athlete, I don't like seeing it. Whether he handled it the right way or not, he is a great young man. 
Anthony Davis helped lead the Pelicans to a playoff series win last year, and he was the reason to watch them. While it's probably not the best thing from a PR standpoint to openly pine to leave, let's face it, that organization didn't do nearly enough to keep him around, so I don't blame him for leaving, and I think in the past, once you have some space from it in New Orleans, you will have to recognize just how great he was and what a great teammate and employee he was during that time up until this year. That'll do it for us. The best of your sports talk for Monday, April the 1st. We'll see you tomorrow, everyone. Thanks for listening to Around the Dial. Subscribe now for the best daily recap in sports talk on Radio.com or the Radio.com app. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 